This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off can be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! Oh, a goal! My is foul! Far post for Shearer, goal! McLaughlin has it. Oh, deflection! And it's a goal! Comes to Mitchell! I will win this league anyway. Richard, he's hit it. It's Cradwell! Colin Doyle strikes again. And a brilliant goal from Harry McCurdy! Swindon Town Football Club Tropicana drinks are competitively priced. Fun and sunshine, there's enough for almost everyone. Johnny Jackson's woeful wombles are sliced and diced, but don't worry, we can do this all again next season. Good Lord, that was terrible. I'm so sorry. AFC Wimbledon 1, Swindon Town 5, and here with his beach towel under his arm and other assorted German stereotypes. It's the return of the boy in the bitter land. It's Connor. Hello, Connor. Hi, Rich. Yeah, no, it's um, it's good getting that beach towel out at three forty-five a.m. on Saturday morning and making sure I was there bright and early. Um, not missing a beat. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, if if we're going to be on the beach, then this is the way to be it, right? Is uh. A wonderful day out in the capital. Yeah, this season we can't even do the beach properly. The beach is supposed to be, you know, downing tools and losing three, four, five nil. Not the swim, though. Yeah, no, like we've done the beach in the way that I, I always remember. I don't know why, um, but I always remember an anecdote that Rio Ferdinand told during the coverage of the 2014 World Cup about going for like a 10 mile run on the Copacabana, Copacabana beach or something at some point. And I was just like, that is mental. Um, and that seems to be what they did. Um, in in terms of the beach yesterday, into, uh, on on the Swindon Town squad, so um, yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah, a few a few things before we get knee deep in wonderful Swindon performance talk. 
your weekend uh, (laughs) absolutely ready bloody insane now when all these sort of expat fans or exiled fans come back they usually you know stay for a couple of days see their family not our connor though talk me through your weekend swindon and non-swindon because there's been a lot of football well i mean basically uh at the start of the season we kind of were thinking about what's the away day that we'll do to sort of meet up as a a group so uh family and friends um, and Wimbledon was the, the one we picked just in terms of it's, it's a place that we've not been to um, the new ground and uh, seems like an interesting one to go to uh, it came around about a month ago are we going to still do it are we going to not at that point it looked like probably playoffs was unlikely and it wasn't going to be worth doing and then we just like you know what whatever we'll have a good day out anyway let's book it uh, so I had a look at the options and I was like, I don't really want to stay overnight in London because it's expensive. Uh, so I uh, managed to find flights so I could get in and out in the day. Uh, so uh, my day began with a rude awakening at 3.44am, one minute before my alarm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I managed to spare my girlfriend the um, the pain of my alarm going off um, and just sort of rolled out. Uh, got ready, coffee, banana, um Bit the banana in the wrong place to see if I could get any nibbles on Twitter. That was uh, that worked, uh, so that was good. Um, headed to the airport. I was there about five a.m. Went straight through security. Got on the plane. Flew to London. Met a friend. Met some more friends. Met, met with Terry. Um, met with uh, my brother and my dad um, and some of our friends. And then uh, just had a great day. Just chatting about Swindon, about life, and just. Uh, having a general all-round good time and then after about you know 12 or 13 hours of the day had been up I managed to get to the ground uh, get in we go one nil down think do you know what doesn't really matter anyway doesn't uh, and then yeah half time of three one up absolutely buzzing uh, and then we join the queue for some drinks I go in there I check the might scores one nil down and then I'm just sort of on my phone. And by the time that we get to the front of the queue, Mike's a free one up. And I'm like, what on earth is going on against Bayern Munich of all teams? Starting to think, did I make the right decision in coming back? And then go back out for the second half and we're in 5-1. Uh, my brother wins a massive bet that, that from, from a quid that he put on about getting the, the score right. Uh, just in general, absolutely brilliant scenes. Uh, and then rather than being able to enjoy it, just sort of having to get, basically just leave the stadium on the whistle um, and... Uh, get back to the airport uh, to wait around for a bit and then fly home. Um, And I got back at 2am. So all in all, 22 hour day, wonderful stuff. Uh, And uh, yeah, just, I mean, when the football's going to be like that and when you've got sort of good company and the weather's nice and all that kind of stuff, uh, then you're going to be on cloud nine, I think. And uh, thankfully also the travel plans all went to plan. So it didn't get too frustrated or anything. Uh, And then, yeah, this morning, woke up um, and Mainz uh, are in, well, they were in the final of the um, sort of for the title of the like under-19s championship, um, which all of the ultras and stuff would, were sort of going to be doing like a big thing about. Uh, so there was a big campaign to get everyone or as many people as possible to go to the game. Uh, so me and the group of lads that I go to football with all went down there as well. Uh, so I t- had a, only had a few hours sleep and then woke up and that was at 11, the kickoff. So it took our place in the ground, probably like quarter past 10 or something like that. And uh, that was, uh, I, I was thinking that'd be quite a relaxed thing. We'd just have a few songs, just sort of, uh, just enjoy it. And then it just turned out to be the most incredible game of football uh, <laughs> between two very good teams for that sort of uh, youth level. 
And um, yeah, in the end, uh, Mainz went ahead twice, got pegged back right at the end uh, in sort of heartbreaking circumstances, went to extra time and then managed to get 4-2 win uh, in the second half of extra time. So uh, that was brilliant. And then I just thought, you know, I've not seen enough football and I'm not tired enough, so I'm just going to go and swing around the corner to one of the local London League teams and sit in the sun and have a alcohol-free beer and uh, just enjoy the view, enjoy the enjoy the sun on my skin. Uh, so, yeah, and then got back, had a Thai curry, and I'm speaking to you, Rich. Yeah, <laughs> uh, man, I, I was tired just listening to that. It's too much. Come on. I went to Gloucester yesterday. That's about it. I went to the <laughs> cathedral, potted around, went home, followed the football on the journey home, and then here I am. Uh, somehow there's about 12 hours missing from that, but... <laughs> I don't think anyone really wants to listen to this. The big question from that wonderful relaying of your weekend is, Terry, is he friend or family? <laughs> He's friend, of course. Of course. <laughs> he just had his own category for a moment there, which was wonderful. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, you know, I, I count friends that the, the widest winning family is, is great, like being back in an away end and just seeing like familiar faces as well, uh, from, especially from last season, like the amount of like good memories all across the country and stuff. And then, uh, yeah, it's just like a little bit deja vu going back to the end of this time last season. And uh, obviously the football itself didn't mean a huge amount. But uh, yeah, the off-pitch stuff, all of that was sort of uh, exactly where, where where you want it to be, um, even in spite of uh, the fact we're not playing for anything. So yeah, just a wonderful, wonderful day out. Yeah, 1,191 Swindon Town fans turning up for an absolute dead rubber. We're great, aren't we? Yeah, and, and this is the thing that like makes me want us to be really good on the pitch because like the fans really deserve it. And like you know, a lot of clubs in this division have good fans. A lot of clubs in the division below and other divisions have good fans. But I think particularly for us, like given that like that there in this season there's not been a lot to celebrate. The away following has just been splendid throughout in terms of like numbers. And then when you watch on iFollow or uh, if you if you are lucky enough to go to the games, then. Uh, I think you, you do hear that like the, the, the following is good and uh, obviously the, the, the home crowds are great as well. Obviously, they've come off a little bit recently while there's been sort of less to play for. But I think as a fan base, we are doing very, very well and like we're supporting the club um, absolutely incredibly. Um, and yeah, I just I just hope that the fact that this is still something that we're doing, even when things don't really matter at the moment, like the, 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 the football that's being played is... Uh, not the thing that we're deriving meaning from here. I think it's just like the routine of being a Swindon Town fan, seeing your friends, having a good day out, um, and just putting the yeah, like keeping your eye in and hoping that you know we'll be doing the same thing next season, uh, but that it will be sort of in the right area of the table. Um, yeah, I think yeah, we, we we would we deserve a good team, uh, and hopefully we'll get one at some point. Amen to that. In terms of Wimbledon as a away day, is it a good one? I hope to do it next year. I just couldn't justify it this year no regrets even with the score but was it was it a good away day I think it was a good away day yeah I mean I think the the good thing when you when you're in London I think there's a lot of different ways you can do it because obviously it's such a big city and uh, you don't necessarily have to be in the same area as the ground you can go to a different place so I think we we stopped somewhere on the way from um from Paddington and and uh, and had a few drinks there before then going to the main sort of Swindon Town pub uh, the, the away pub that was in Wimbledon um, and then it's probably a 20 minute walk to the ground um, which yeah w- was in terms of transport links not the best located that I've ever been to which considering it's in London is surprising um, but 
the ground's cool. I think um, the the main stand that's like the permanent fixture looks inc- looks incredible. Um, the three sort of temporary stands, um, they they look all right too, like pretty sort of snazzy. Um, and the view from the away end is really really good. I can't think of any better at this kind of level. Uh, so that was all good. And uh, yeah, just like being in a sort of Swindon away end as well was just really exciting. So yeah, I would say it's a good one for League Two and. Uh, yeah, it's definitely the sort of one where you you definitely think after having a good experience there, like I definitely want to go back and, and redo that again. So, uh, yeah, definitely. If uh, <laughs> Hopefully, if there's something sort of meaningful happening there next season, then uh, it'll be a good one to redo. Great. OK, let's get going with this match then. So a few more changes uh, prior to this one that were announced. Uh, Bryn in goal, back four. Of Hutton, Bruett, Clayton, Lavinia just ahead was Jake Kane coming in. Just ahead was the returning George McEachran, Saidu Khan in the usual place, Wakeling and Williams on the wing. No Hepburn, Murphy, and up front on his own for the second game in a row, Luke Jeffcott. So it, it didn't start too well this game for Swindon. Talk me through the early exchanges that concluded with a goal for Wimbledon from Aaron Pierre's head. <laughs> um, I mean, I think the the opening exchanges with both teams kind of not being very confident and just kind of feeling each other out and uh, basically Wimbledon just being presented with a chance where it was impossible not to score in terms of uh, the ball goes into the box, Swindon are just completely static um, and you've got a centre-back, big centre-back with a runner, an aer- aerial ball and it's, yeah, it's just the sort of thing where... <sighs> But when the cross came in, I was just thinking this has got goal written all over it, and it's not necessarily because like they've worked really hard to create the opening. It's just yeah, static defending, and yeah, just ju- just one of those. I mean, I think the, the opening exchange was a quite long quality, and I think it was almost as if basically that goal just kind of meant Swindon themselves just decided to go back to basics and get a little bit of control of the ball and just work it from side to side um, and, uh, and play a little bit better. Um, after that so it was, it was a good shot in the arm because yeah that early goal I think really picked the game up and after that point af- after the goal which is the the thing I, I guess I'm more interested in talking about uh, is uh, yeah when Swindon actually started to play well and I, I, th- I think if you then look at the rest of the game after that point um, yeah sure there were spells where Swindon weren't playing quite as well um, as, as others but overall it was a pretty good performance from from them and granted against a very very poor team um, but you know, it was a very poor team that managed to get themselves ahead. And yet on another day, it might have been um, a, a different outcome after that opener. But then the rest of the game does turn into not necessarily the Swindon show, because there's plenty of feedback from the listeners' contributions that do highlight that these were two bad sides and Swindon, it just it just all clicked and went together. Before we start celebrating each and every goal, and boy, <laughs> we are. Heaven knows we've been through enough <laughs> turgid uh, performances. We're going to enjoy every one of these goals. How bad were Wimbledon? Oh, they were absolutely shocking. Like, I think it's a mixture of like a team that is lacking in quality in certain areas and, and lacking in motivation and maybe sort of just doubting themselves because there are a couple of times where, I mean, they're two centre-backs. I, I know one of them scored, um, but I don't think, it, between the two of them, I just don't know if I've seen sort of a less interested, less mobile pairing uh, in terms of whenever the ball went over. I feel, I feel like Jacob Wakeling was probably going about 40% tilt. Like he was not going 100%, but 
every time the ball went over their number five's head, he just like looked like he was gonna sort of tear <laughs> like tear him apart. It was honestly like one of those things where I think you could have probably picked like a few Wimbledon fans out of the crowd and they would have done a much worse job than that, than that number five. So. I, I, I got, considering that's the foundation of your team, I think that makes that made sort of the whole thing for them quite quite difficult to sort of get going. Like you couldn't really build from the back, and I don't think they were trying to play particularly agriculturally. I think it was it was a mixture of sort of you know I think they were trying to do the right thing and lack the quality and the confidence to pull it off. So uh, yeah, it was uh, they were definitely a very poor team, um, and I think sort of gathering from what some of the Wimbledon fans after the game on the bus were saying, like. They're just kind of having to get through this period where they don't have much money to spend on the team because they're paying off loans and stuff for the stadium being built and all that kind of stuff. So I guess it makes sense. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that they had the like, best part of 7,000 fans turn up for that, given uh, the, the way that they're going. Because yeah, honestly, if we were a couple of games earlier into the season with the way that the points on the table are looking, I think they would be a dead cert for relegation. But Thankfully for them, they managed to get the points on the board early enough. You're always talking to opposition fans, Connor. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm head down in my headphones when I'm on my way. Uh, well, Not you. In fairness, that was that was a, a, a Terry conversation <laughs> with the away fans, but you know, could, yeah, could yeah, help but yeah, pick that, it up. Yeah, I, I thought as much. I knew that screamed of terror. <laughs> right, okay. Marcel Lavinier. We won't get the penalty given for for many of those, will we? It's it's very very soft, but we'll take it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I didn't watch it back uh so you know poor poor uh, <laughs> preparation for this podcast on my part in the flesh we were at completely the opposite side of the ground uh to where that happened so in the in real time it felt like a penalty um but yeah i i, I gather from everyone that's watched it back it was quite a soft one but again in the end i guess there's contact and uh he's not got the ball so i don't know i i i, I think it's one of those things i I'm not really interested enough in, in in debating it. I was quite happy that we got given a penalty just because because it came so soon after their goal. It just felt oh, we're going to have a bit of a ding dong here, and uh, it'll be fun. And so so it proved in the end. Yes, indeed. And I was really happy for Luke Jeffcott. I felt really bad in terms of the fact that in the last pod that we analysed the game, we didn't really give Luke Jeffcott a mention because he he worked really really hard, and I. And it was great that he got the start. It's great that he scored. He took his penalty well. I do wonder, though, Connor, what, what does this mean for Luke Jeffcott? We've got three games left, and suddenly we're five to go. He's starting, and we probably do have an option of sorts on him. Do you see that is, this is just like Charlie Austin needs a rest. Tyree Shade hasn't got it to uh, lead the line on his own. So Luke Jeffcott comes in. You know, we've had a couple of weeks of listeners saying, why are we playing our loan still? But, hey, he's got a brace. Yeah, I mean, I guess you, you can't get much more of an easy brace than the, the one that he got, but you have to score them still. It's, I thought it was a good penalty. I was glad for him that he's kind of broken that goal-scoring duck after quite a long time um, away from the scorers and that he's actually getting some serious minutes after quite a while out of the team. Uh, and I guess it's one of those things, if we do have an option or even if... It's just something where if we want him, then Plymouth would potentially be interested in selling him in the summer. Even if we're not necessarily going to do it, I think it's good that Jody Morris has had the chance to have a look at him uh, because a lot of the stuff that we've seen from him, really, I, I think, you know, up until October, I think he was he was doing sort of reasonably well for us um, up front in the Lindsay era. So 
I think it's an interesting one. I, I don't I, I don't know if he'd necessarily be sort of top of my shopping list, but I feel like looking at him recently, I think like the attitude and application seems to be there. So, uh, you know, wouldn't absolutely hate it if we were to sort of keep him on at the club beyond the end of the season. And uh, yeah, I'm, I think just it's, it's, it's a nice thing for him that he's managed to get those goals, if any, if just to sort of improve the statistical kind of thing for, for his season. Because I guess from, from his point of view, regardless of where he is next season, if he if it yeah. looks like he's had a better season this year, then uh, that's a good thing for him as well. Yep, completely agree. That was his first goals for Swindon since October 29th in that 5-2 win at Mansfield. Time flies, doesn't it? Crazy. And then, well, uh, they just fall apart, don't they? And it's brilliant. Lovely. Uh, Jake Wakeling getting a goal and um, delirium in the away end. Yeah, that. I mean, the cross from Robert Hutton is absolutely brilliant for that uh, and it was just one of the ones similar to the Wimbledon goal as soon as the ball's left the person crossing the ball the uh, the ball's boot you can just kind of tell where it's going it's going over the final Wimbledon player you've got someone at the far post running in uh, for some reason like I mean again we were at, so, at the complete opposite end of the ground I thought it was Jeff Cott had run in to score his second um, at that point uh, so um, it was really only when uh, Jeff Cott scored his, first, uh, his second and we were like, oh, he's got a hat-trick and then realised he didn't have a hat-trick that uh, we realised it was Jacob Wakeling um, who had <laughs> scored it. But I mean, yeah, it was just a, a centre-forward's header really, wasn't it? So um, I think either of them would have been proud of it. Yeah, Wakeling, uh, I think, again, another one of those players who's applied himself over the season quite well. It's quite nice to see him um, kind of on the score sheet in general. And I know he's done it a few times recently, so... Um, good for him and uh, yeah just in terms of Hutton like I know that there's been a lot of stats doing as I think Joe sort of highlighted um, on Twitter obviously of the press of fame uh, that um, he's the defender with the most assists in not just England's top four leagues but also the rest of the top five leagues in Europe um, as well so that is uh, I guess proof that he is uh, a crucial outlet in, for us in terms of getting goals uh, and yeah I mean there is a goal later that I prefer more, but uh, I, this this one is definitely high up on sort of uh, the sort of goals I like to see. I think it's just uh, yeah the inevitability of it. Beautiful. Who, who's providing the assists in the German regional leagues? Are we, are they, have they got that data yet? Is it, you know, oh, they um, certainly do have that data. Yeah. Uh, well, I want I want them to include it all then, unless he's not number one. Romeo <laughs> Hutton is a curious one and, and I and I think we're going to look back in years to come and go of course we had him for a year and didn't appreciate him because he's not everyone's cup of tea but the stats they're there you know when he's been able to provide crosses and there have been large segments of the season where opposition managers and coaching staff have done their research and then just you know marked him out the game but when he's given freedom He's always got at least one assist um, in a lot of crosses. You know, this is the fourth tier, but he'll be very happy. Swindon Town would be very happy because he would either hope to build on that for the second season or, of course, make the club a little bit of money in the summer. Yeah, I think two thoughts on this. So the first in terms of it is interesting how he, he does seem to be kind of like our best player of the season. If you look over the course of the, the nine months or so that the season's been active, uh, and definitely, uh, he definitely is getting love from some some parts of the fan bases, but definitely not all. And I think some people would say that's kind of social media conduct. I, I haven't actually seen why people wouldn't like his social media conduct, but I have seen that that's things that people are leveling at him. 
Um, but I wonder if that's if it's maybe this is this is what we were discussing sort of in the pub before the game and uh, sort of during the game as well. Is uh, is it maybe uh, just the fact that we know that a player like him, uh, given that what the state and model of the club has been the last year, that if you get fond of him, he is only going to leave because uh, like the the idea is that we bring him in and sell him after sort of absolute latest eighteen months. So uh, do we want to get too too fond of this player that is quite good uh and yeah I guess, I guess the answer for a lot of people seems to have been no um but yeah I mean I, I enjoy watching him he's really good uh and yeah the the second point uh has now avoid uh, evaded me so I've, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say uh, <laughs> I'll, uh, but, uh, I'll return to it later if it, if it turned out to be a good point well of course and I'll be looking forward to it if it does re-emerge I, I think also that because of during January, it was quite a large rumour that he was going then that maybe fans are just sort of resistant for the similar reasons that you provided about, you know, that horrible phrase, don't fall in love with them um, because they'll only break your heart. But people are just so, I mean, we're no different. We, we, we talk about it in, in a very matter of fact way. We kind of assume he is going to go in the summer because of noise and, and unfounded rumour. But maybe that's also a reason why fans are sort of a bit resistant to his plus points, which I think have outdone, you know, the the, the negative side of his game. Yeah, and I, I have now remembered the second point, thankfully. But you're the, welcome. The, you're welcome. <laughs> so thanks for the thanks for the assist there, the the, the Hutton like assist there. Which I really... had to dig hard <laughs> to give you time to think through that. So you're... I, well, the thing is, as soon as I stopped speaking, it it, it hit me. But yeah, the um. The uh, the two um, I, I think what one thing from the current squad is that like the the fullback position is a real position of strength for us where like really I think the two fullbacks that we had out there on Saturday I think most teams in the league would be happy to have them in their team if not if they're not going to replace their fullbacks they're definitely not going to be much worse than them there they might be a slight improvement that kind of thing um, and it's the, it's one of those things where if we were able to keep them for next season, that's such a good foundation because, I mean, in an attacking sense, both uh, Lavinia and Hutton um, were absolutely excellent and, and, and caused a lot of problems. Obviously, there was the penalty for Lavinia. He put in a really good cross quite early in the game as well um, that didn't lead to um, a goal, but, uh, you know, was, was an early sign of danger from us. Hutton obviously did that and got another assist in the second half. So, uh, yeah, in, in terms of those two, I mean... I guess if if we can keep one of them around, that's great. Uh, if we somehow keep two of them around for next season, then uh, we would be cooking on gas in that very specific localised position of the squad. Indeed. Yeah. Can we show some love and respect for Nick Zanev in the Wimbledon goal for goal number three uh, to allow Jeff Cock to get his brace, not his hat trick, alas. More of those, please, from all opposition goalkeepers. Uh, yeah. I mean, the it was a hat trick for the... Um, sort of people that aren't able to see properly. Uh, so, but yeah, I think Nick Zanev, I think, so we, we've done a category of like referees who have footballers' names and uh, footballer, footballers who have referees' names and all that kind of thing. Nick Zanev, yeah. definitely on the ATP tour. I don't want to hear anything. <laughs> oh, yes. Ranked 22. And he might, he might be a top 10 in the early rounds, um, especially in the Australian Open. 100%, yeah. I mean, yeah, that, it just sounds like any Australian tennis player that has ever existed. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess he was just sort of watching a bit of football the last few days and 
Europa League Thursday night, Man United, David De Gea, uh, and then he's seen um, Aaron Ramsdale. Um, and you, the, those are two international keepers um, and the mistakes that they've made. You know, Anything that they can do, I'm sure he can do that and maybe that'll fast-track him to the top of the game. Uh, no, I, I don't want to be too rude, but uh, I mean, I guess he's just completely just sort of got into autopilot mode, not realised where <laughs> the people are. I guess he's put it where a player's supposed to be, but yeah, it, as we've seen recently in a few different that is a really dangerous area to be passing the ball straight. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think the good thing is it's a good touch from Jeff Court to get out of his feet but not give the ball away um, and to then just take it around the goalkeeper and put it in. Um, like the amount of times that you see sort of someone given an opportunity like that and they don't quite manage to get it uh, into the net. So I, I'm really glad that he did. Um, and uh, yeah. Not a hat-trick, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you'll be delighted with the brace. Well, as I said to you, I was enjoying the day in Gloucester, so I was uh, unable to be in a chateau because not all of us can just get on a plane for the day, Connor, and then come back. You know, it's <laughs> one of those situations. But looking back at the extended highlights um, since they were published... I was watching them thinking, God, you're being very kind to Wimbledon because there's some, for a six goal game, they really have included some stuff that really shouldn't be in there. But in the second half, there was a, a, a good moment for Sol Brin where a one on one, it, it's not the hardest thing for him to deal with, but just for him to be focused and, and sort that out preventing it from going to 3 2 is quite a big moment in the game, probably. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's one of those things. I guess from Sol Brin's perspective, it's not that uh, it's not that he had nothing to do. I think like the, the game was sort of going from end to end a little bit. Like the, there was not like much um, pressure in terms of things for him to do. But I think his his mind would have definitely been in the game just from the fact he had to kick the ball a bit and and distribute things. And uh, we were building from the back and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, good for him to stay alert, and uh, it, it, it was a good save. So. Uh, yeah, uh, in general, um, pretty happy with his display um, as well. Probably, you could probably criticise him for our, uh, the goal that we conceded in terms of just not coming off his line and closing down the angles. But uh, yeah, that would be being, I guess, quite harsh. But yeah, good goalkeeper, I think. Uh, we, we've made that observation about Sol Brin enough this season, so we'll, we'll give him the pass on a 5-1. A message from friend of the pod, Moonraked. Uh, who says, a lovely day out, a meaningless game in league terms, but for all friends of the late Sutton Red, for those who uh, have been on TEF, a huge one. Singing for our friend at 59 minutes just before town went 4-1 up, that most mythical score lines as far as the London Reds go was something special. Paul, we love you. What a lovely message and what a lovely moment that was for them and for Tom Clayton, who scores, can I just say how satisfying looping headers are? They're among yeah. my favourite types of goals. This is the goal that I was referring to earlier. So um, I guess it's, it's nice that it has sort of uh, that extra meaning as well in terms of people thinking about their friends as well. Um, but yeah, the the cross for Hutton is great. Um, it's not one of those ones where from the moment it left the crosser of the ball's foot, it was in. There's a lot of work for, for Clayton to do to kind of adjust himself and get in, but uh, yeah, just managed managed to get over the line, and uh, yeah, you, I just love when when a, a ball comes over and just completely change direction, and then just for the eternity that it kind of hung in the air before you can see the the net rippling and people jumping all around you. Uh, yeah, just absolutely brilliant. It's exactly the kind of goal I want to see when I'm at football. Uh, more of that, and I will definitely be rewatching that 
multiple times over the next few weeks. Yeah, and I think it's uh, Luke Jeffcott who gets half a pint of beer thrown at him during that cup and all. Very odd uh, behaviour. The best bit about the goal for me is Tom Clayton not knowing how to celebrate a goal. <laughs> he has no idea what's going on. So he just he goes all fist pumps. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy for him because it's been talked about a lot, hasn't it, that Clayton came back from injury, not as good as what he was before, but still fine. And then he was in the cold a little bit with Jody Morris. And he's come back. His job isn't to score goals, but he's, he's been solid in the last few games. And, you know, defenders like to score as well. So it's nice. Yeah, you want you want your one a season every now and then as a centre half, don't you? Like you're going forward for all these set plays. Like it might be, it might as well be worth something at some point, uh, and not just so that you're nearer the celebrations when uh, one of the attackers have put the ball in the net uh, for uh, for the the end, umpteenth time or however however many it will be. Uh, so yeah, really nice moment for him. Obviously his first pro goal as well. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think after the season he's had, I think in general, if you look at the the earlier stuff and just up until his injury. Um, hotly deserved, uh, and just in terms of for him, I guess after a few after a few weeks of kind of you know, I don't want to say sort of uh, to, to be too harsh, but just like just some negativity over the last last few weeks that we that we've all experienced in general ways. But I think he has been kind of singled out as well um, in certain quarters. Um, probably just nice for him to kind of have that moment to wipe the slate clean a little bit and just. Uh, refocus the mind on the final few games and and next season as well, uh, which I think is something that days like this and obviously the fact that we, that we won the game on on Tuesday as well, I think those are things where now I, I don't know where your head's at, Rich, but I'm kind of thinking that we are now beyond the death rows of the season. Like the the season died and uh, is uh, you know has just been, that's been sat there for a while, um, and now we're sort of beyond the the, the point of being frustrated that it's not quite worked out. And I think just trying to think about, I guess, the next one and like th- this run of, I guess, we've had the last two games and then the, the the upcoming three just kind of paving the way into what will hopefully be a little bit of a rebuild and uh, a better season next year. Tyler mentioned it in, in the Those Strangers WhatsApp group that we're in pre-pre-season and I've seen a few fans say similar. Yeah, I guess, I guess that's about right, isn't it? So we're having a look to see where Jody Morris can improve this squad, who's worth keeping around, who might be squad players, who might get bombed out. We just don't know. I think when I said at the top of the pod that I still had no regrets of missing this, you, you looked like you had an amazing time, you know, looking at the, the away ends. But when there's nothing riding on it, I can't do that sort of jumping up and down, celebrating. I am numb to this season in the sense that it's done. It's over. There's There's nothing to get really angry about now and there's nothing to really jump up and down crazily about that's not to say we can't enjoy victories and if we beat Stevenage in midweek I'll probably skip out of the uh, <laughs> county ground so you know so just to contradict myself completely I, I don't feel that that thing where it's like I'm thinking about Swindon a lot when I don't need to be thinking about Swindon I'm kind of just like Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, since it all went, when it all became official. Yeah, and I have to say as well, the uh, one of the things that did kind of mean that we were sort of jumping around and giving it a little bit limbs, at least in the very localised pocket uh, where I was stood, was uh, the fact that sort of as is tradition between me and my brother, when we go to the football, like one of us will just put a stupid bet on, he put a quid on 5-1 <laughs> before the game. Uh, and then, you know, <laughs> weren't thinking anything of it. And then 
after the hour, you fall one up, and you're like, oh my God, this is actually going to come in, isn't it? Uh, so, um, yeah, the fact they managed to string it out and just have half an hour of sort of back and forth before we get a penalty and, uh, and dispatch that, um, that was a, a really, really fun moment. And, uh, yeah, that there was something on the line there, uh, more than more than there was sort of actually in terms of the, the importance of the kick. So, uh, that, that that made it fun as well. I think once you, you can create your own narratives to make football um, exciting, like it doesn't have to always be about are we going to get promoted or are we going to stay up. But there are little sort of mini storylines that you can tell whether that's something silly like that or whether it's uh, like a story of a player in their season or the fact that you're building for something new. I think it's quite nice that we can, I guess, really, we could just enjoy the next few games for. I mean, I hope we can enjoy the next few games if we play well, but we, we can just look at them as, as games of football rather than thinking about them in the, the overarching scheme of the season. Because, yeah, sometimes it is nice to just sort of go to a game and be like, you know, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what friendlies are. That's why people call it pre-pre-season, aren't they? They just yeah, go into games, exactly, exactly. they're seeing all the players, and the, but they're not, they haven't got oh, that, can that we, heartbeat. Can we make um, Crawley at home, like the Dion Conroy testimony or something then? <laughs> Absolutely, we can. I practically insist. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that that one has lost all its edge now. It looks like uh, Lindsay has done the uh, the the great the unthinkable. Yeah, (laughs) well, yeah, we'll call it the (laughs) the the unimaginable. But but given the way we've been playing recently, I think now that there's nothing riding on it, we're going to absolutely slap them. So that might be something to look forward to. Oh, the narratives there, yeah. And and actually, can I um, redo that? It should be, obviously, the Gladwin testimonial. I don't know why I got... I, I thought he was still here, but... Your your first reaction was to go Dion. You're going Dion. That's, there's nothing more we can do about that, but we'll move on. <laughs> During the second half uh, at 4-1, we saw many a substitution. Uh, we saw Dylan Kaji come on, Tyree Shade. And then about 10 minutes later, Ronan Darcy and Charlie Austin came on. And at the end, Harrison Minton came on. Uh, there was a place on the bench for the first time in senior football for Jackson Brown, who looked really good when he came on when I saw him play against Chipnam in the Wiltshire Premier Shield. He came on quite late on, but he looked really, really okay. Congratulations to him. Let's see if he gets some minutes before the season's out. Jackson Brown, great for fans of 1970s, early 80s rock music and, you know, Sons of Anarchy fans. I don't know. Um, but yeah, great to see. The reason why we ro- reel off the subs is because, well, they were heavily involved in the final goal for Swindon. Loads of hooked passing. Johnny Williams gets one, then Shade gets another. And just as uh, Darcy thinks that he's done the job, um, Aaron Pierre cheats <laughs> aggressively. <laughs> it's a good save. It's a good save. It's a great save. Zanef can learn a few things if he wasn't just so focused on his tennis uh, practice. He knows what he's done. Off he goes. And... I guess I'm surprised um, that Charlie Austin gave Darcy the the ball because I would have thought Charlie Austin was the sort of person that wanted to finish top scorer. Uh, But no, Darcy steps up and he puts it away with a plum. Yeah, I mean, talking about sort of gambling, uh, I was just thinking about my cheese board in that moment. Like, just let Charlie Austin have the bloody ball. You've got to remind people about the cheese board. Oh, yeah. So um, for for those that don't know, uh, me and uh, JR have a, a bet about uh, whether uh, Charlie Austin or Luke Jeffcott would uh, sort of score more goals than each other, uh, which originated from uh, discussions around the time that Austin was being rumoured to sign. Uh, So basically, if Jeffcott scores more goals this season, 
then uh, JR gets a cheese board from me. Uh, and if uh, Charlie Austin scores more, uh, which at the moment I think he still has, but it's obviously been narrowed, uh, then I get a cheese board from JR. And I think it w- it'll be sort of in Swindon Town branding, hopefully, um, because there, there was one on the club website. And I don't think there is one anymore. So we will be relying on each of our art, like arts and craft skills, I guess. But yeah, so th- that's on the line. And I, I really want that cheese board. Just imagine eating some <laughs> Swindon Town charcuterie, uh, courtesy of Charlie Austin sort of being a bags man. Uh, and then, yeah, just he can't take the penalty because I, I think it's I think it was right. Ronan Darcy had the ball, and like in another sport, that kind of thing would like would be like a penalty goal, wouldn't it? Some probably. Uh, so um, I think it's probably right that he got to take it, and it is a very good penalty from Ronan Darcy. Um, in fairness, but I was just like, oh, he's gonna miss, isn't he? He's gonna miss, uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he, he he managed to do it. Fair play to him, uh, and yeah, he was, he was quite lively after he came on. So. Um, Good for him. Uh, I would have personally, not even not for the bet, just personally I would have liked to have seen Charlie Austin take it because it's my first time seeing uh, Charlie Austin play for Swindon in the flesh since 2010. So I uh, feel a little bit shortchanged that we only got like 10 minutes from him and uh, he didn't get to take a penalty that we got while he's on the pitch. But, uh, you know, you live and you learn, don't you, Rich? You do. And, it, you know, had you been bothered to turn up to any of the games um, recently, you would know that it was probably fair that Austin is currently on the bench. Tell me, that's that's 5-1, final score. What's your record watching Swindon this season? Uh, my record watching Swindon, uh, played 2, won 2, scored 8, conceded 1. Mm, and, and I think the phrase that you said, don't know why you're all complaining. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's looking good for the PPG, isn't it? I think, yeah. It really is. Maybe, maybe the missing component uh, in, in our season uh, that's really meant things have gone wrong is the lack of my support. Uh, yeah, because, I think so. Yeah, obviously it was, it was great in the season I was going to every game uh, and then just seems to have fallen off when I've only gone to two of 46. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, I mean, obviously it, it, it's just funny, isn't it, that I've kind of picked two random games, both at times where the vibes have not been quite right. I think like the Rochdale game was the, the other one I've been to at home, the 3-0 win. Uh, and uh, you know the crowd was not entirely in favour of what was going on then. It was our first win of the season at that point, uh, and right. I left the stadium absolutely rattled by Ronan Darcy sort of lifting up Scott Lindsay as he was the boxing champ, <laughs> just because a few fans had sort of said a few sort of things about how he wasn't a great football manager online. Well, you know we're all proven wrong. He's done the unthinkable and kept Crawley up probably, uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I'm going to dedicate minutes of the end of season review, whether you're on it or not, asking the question, did Ronan Darcy lose me on the basis of post-Rochdale? Because I I really think he did, bless him. I've I've never warmed to him on the basis of that boxing champ arm raise because I'm a petty, petty man. Yeah, honestly, you don't need minutes to discuss it for me. The answer is like, yes, like that is why I don't like him. (laughs) Uh, uh, Final point before we go to listeners' contributions. We saw DJ um, for the first time in a while. How was he? I think, I mean, like a lot of players, he was quite quiet. There there are a couple of moments where you could see the familiar sort of DJ-ness. So there was like one moment where he sort of got the ball on the half turn, switched around quickly and then sort of fired off a shot which hit the bar and went over. 
so that, that was a little moment of something that you know if you're if you're not going to get the ball much in a bad team then you're not going to get the, the opportunity to impress he, he's not someone that's going to be tearing around the pitch sort of trying to win the ball back and and do all of that kind of stuff he's someone you want to give the ball to and let magic happen so oh i wish he could come back what a player he is uh, he got a one-man ovation from me uh, while he came off after, <laughs> after we scored uh, because I, I, I'm sure he'd have got more from our fans, but uh, I don't think anyone noticed because <laughs> he was coming off after we scored. But yeah, uh, I miss him. Mm. Oh, it was a good, it was a good brief romance, wasn't it? Okay, let's go to listeners' contributions and then we'll come back and decide on who was our man of the match. Hello, I'm Paul Carris, and you're listening to the Loathed Strangers podcast. Right then, 5-1. Let's read your contributions. Big thanks to everyone who sent stuff in, starting with Neil McLaughlin, who says, A lovely day out. Glad we played a team worse than ours. Man of the match, Jeff got even bumped into Jody Morris in the pub at Wimbledon after the game. Hmm. Kieran says, most complete performance under Jody Morris. Fluid 4-3-3 defence to 3-5-3 in attack. Worked a treat. The penalty changed the game. Before that, we looked like we'd get hammered. But after it, it picked them all up. Too little, too late, but it's on the up. Tucker Jenkins says, great day out. Put a poor team to the sword. Crowd magnificent throughout. Plenty of good performances. But man of the match for me was Lavinier. Huge compliment that we didn't miss FBT at all this weekend. Kevin STFC Foley says, Yeah, boy! Jack Tanner says, All aboard HMS Piddle the League 2324. Come on now, Jack. SM4750 says, If only they had got the results early in the year, we would have been in the playoffs. So, well, good momentum to build on for the new season, and we can get out of League 2. Adam Copnell says, could have done with this type of passion and talent from day one of Jody arriving. All well and good waiting till the season's over to show what you're about. Upsetting knowing we're capable of this, yet couldn't show it at all when it mattered. Batch says, so frustrating. Seven out of nine points when it doesn't matter. Town played quite well today. Perhaps 5-1 is a bit flattering, but after the early setback, we responded well and were very much on top. The keeper fluff killed the game. Wimbledon were rubbish. Jeremy Randall says, a good away win against a poor team. Some good performances, although we conceded a poor goal early on and switched off several times, allowing Wimbledon to take short corners. Shaky start to the second half as well. Many good performances. Wakeling's goal was magnificent. Hutton to assists. Kane solid in midfield, breaking up their attacks. Lavinia, Bruitt and Clayton played well too. Bryn's one-on-one save was at a crucial time. Good to see Jeff Cott score also. Man of the match, Lavinia or Clayton? Wardy S says, good win. Took our chances well. Not sure which individual stood out over 90 minutes. Going to say Hutton, another assist and looking like the player we had before Christmas. Ick Bin Sophie says, surely man of the match is Connor Garrett. STFC underscore 1969 says, nice bit of fun in the sun. All worked hard today. Please for Jeff Cott. Fair play to Austin giving Darcy the ball after his shot was blocked. Something to keep building on. Tuesday will be interesting. 
Man of the match, Hutton, with another two assists. Tom Dent called it an incredible performance. Hopefully signs of what's to come next season with Morris's choice of players. Scribble Milk is pleased for Morris because his decision-making is starting to pay off. Hate to say it, but we look a better team without Charlie Austin. He's a luxury player. Man of the match, Jeff got just over Hutton, who perhaps needs to rethink his socials. How much do we think Peterborough are going to pay for him? (laughs) Bernie Man says confidence is a strange thing. A shame we couldn't find it earlier. The score didn't reflect the performance as we have played much better, but it's promising that we are at least heading in the right direction. Dons were the opposite regarding confidence. Shout outs to Clayton and Kane, man of the match, Luke Jeffcott. Paul D says back-to-back wins. What manner of sorcery is this? Mike Dixon, buy the players a bucket and spade each. Got to give man of the match to Jeffcott just to acknowledge his two goals when seemingly low on confidence. Whereas Pete Marsh gives man of the match to Romeo Hutton for doing what Wimbledon couldn't do, putting in decent crosses, barring for their consolation after eight minutes. Strange game. Home side were hapless and the away side were opportunistic. A non-league advert for League Two football. Let's hope Evans, the rotund, has a bad night on Tuesday. Hank provides a gif of Ron Burgundy saying, Boy, that escalated quickly. Too little too late for the season, says watching from afar. We still look dodgy at the back. Austin giving the ball to Darcy showed his class. I hope a couple of experienced players over the summer can transform this team of good individuals but not a great team. I am confident of Morris's ability. DV says, last two games, we've just seen better at, well, everything. We have to hope this is the turning point slash restart, if you will, under Morris and not players going up a gear to get themselves noticed by other clubs ready for next season. And finally, Tom Elliott, who says, a bit shaky at the back and didn't dominate, but Town were clinical in attack. Both fullbacks played well, Khan was good, and Jeffcott covered Lots of ground. Man of the match? Hutton. Right, so I I suppose when Dave asked for listeners' contributions, I kind of thought that the reaction would be more, this is it, we're back, baby, let's go. But it was very even in terms of the fact that, oh man, Wimbledon were bad, but isn't it nice that we've we've stopped losing and we're winning games and let's get the season finished and start again, which I think is a really good approach from the fan base. Uh, Yeah, I agree. That's basically where where my head's at as well. It's just, you know, let's cleanse our palate, have a few nice days between now and the end of the season, hopefully a couple of sunny games um, for people that are going to be attending in in the coming weeks as well. Just, you know, nice days out, go to the cricket club, have a few... Um, sort of pints of lager beer and some cider maybe uh, and, and yeah just just actually have a good time uh, and uh, come back and have something to look forward to in August I think it's exactly what exactly the way I'm thinking about it and I'm now just thinking about as well what's the day trip that I'm going to do next season flying to and from <laughs> uh, because yeah now that I've now that I've seen that it's possible I want to see how far I can push it, but uh, yeah, no, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, I, th- I think I think that's uh, it's definitely it's qu- it's quite good. It's nice not to be like too high or too low. 
uh, for one. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. Escordest indeed. Man of the match was a close one. I think in all of the content providers, man of the match, it's been a two horse race between Romeo Hutton and Luke Jeffcott. Uh, for understandable reasons on both, I think on basic threats, Romeo Hutton was getting the votes and on the fact that he just scored two goals after wilderness months, uh, Jeff Collett. And Jeff Collett got it from our listeners just by about one or two votes. Do you agree or do you give it to Hutton or somebody else? Uh, I would give it to Hutton because, yeah, I, I mean... I guess we don't have to have the conversation because now we've just got, like, both of them have got it from one of us. Uh, but, yeah, um, I think in terms of just, like, the overall game, I just think he he was so important for us in terms of getting as many goals as we did. Uh, you know, just just in the all-round all play. So, yeah, uh, wouldn't really argue too much for Jeff Cott either. Uh, and I think it's just it's nice that there were a few other good performers as well. Um not talking about him in the terms of man of the match kind of thing, but I was quite happy with Jake Kane as well. Uh, overall, um, I think, you know, from what I'd seen of him on iFollow, wasn't particularly impressed, really. And I don't think he came to us with like the, the highest sort of praise from his spell at Newport. But, um, you know, albeit against a bad team, um, he looked quite tidy and sort of did kind of do a few sort of slightly more dangerous things and kind of move the ball forward as well. So, uh, was happy with that, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the positive thing, really, there's not really anyone I would single out for sort of like should have done a lot better in different in different circumstances. So yeah, we 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 kind of managed to get everyone at a six out of ten, um, and uh, that's not been the case for a while. Uh, so um, credit to them and credit to Jody Morris for manage, managing to kind of get like a solid base level performance out of everyone, as well as a few sort of good performances like a few seven and eights out of tens as well lovely well credit to you also for getting to 9 p.m germany time um to see out what has been quite the weekend for you connor thank you very much yeah i'm going straight to bed thanks rich The Lone Strangers is an independent supporters podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club or their official partners. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork was designed by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Has a bubble. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward. Or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 